0: Welcome to the Not PC Perspective Podcast. This is not a podcast. You do not expect that. This is simply a Q&A session that we'll be doing live with the people who are in IRC through Twitter and any other way that they can get a hold of us, except no papers. We, we don't deliver papers, and we no longer have a phone that you can call. But we have plenty of questions. Uh, joining us here tonight are Jeremy Sebastian and uh, that one guy, otherwise known as Alex. He's controlling the board. The rest of the gang are out about. I believe that uh, Ken is at an Intel Mm dealie. Ryan is on another
1: vacation. And uh, Where the hell is Alan at now? Uh, He's at a storage summit, I think, of some sort. Nice. Oh, the Flash Summit. (sighs) Mm -hmm.
0: I think that's (laughs) kicking off right now. That's a lot of fun. So the the, the thing that we're going to do here is, is Alex is going to be reading off questions. You can ask it to any one of us except those not present. And it doesn't matter who. Myself, Jeremy, Sebastian, even Alex, because he's the man behind the screen. He's the man behind the curtain. He makes all of the magic work. And if you ever want to know anything about that magic, and let me tell you, it's magical. That's the man to ask. So Alex, go ahead and throw out. The first question. Oh wait, no, should we say? You know, if if you feel like donating and and want to have more of these type of things, think about joining our Patreon. It's at uh, what is the patreon.com slash pcper. Give us a couple of bucks a month if you like to see this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, we've kind of given up a little bit on on the goals. We've we've you know, if people continue to give us. And and increase it in a little bit. I mean, it, it motivates us to do more things like this. Something that you know is a little bit off the beaten path. Some things that are away from the normal. I mean, it's kind of fun to get away from just a regular podcast. It's it's something that we can get into with people. I mean, we have the mailbag. We'll still be doing that, but there's something different about a live event. And uh, boy, you can say some really interesting off the cuff things. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Ah, uh, you can find a pcper.twitter.com/pcper. Uh, I'm at uh, twitter.com/joshdwalrith. Uh, the other guys uh, can tell their things that they're on. But uh, yeah, let's let's uh, let's start with the questions, Alex.
1: All righty. Let's see if this thing works. Yes, it does. Wonders will not cease tonight. It's going to be great. All right. So, Lucid Mew. And if I get any of these pronunciations wrong. Sorry. Uh, first question. Why don't we have SMT on GPUs like Intel, AMD, IBM do on their CPUs? You know, I can I can probably answer that. And the Proceed.
0: answer is you really don't need it. Uh, you know, the, a CPU is a really complex thing. GPUs are complex things, but they're complex because they're made up of tens of thousands of, of not as complex things. And so... They've got instructions flying through that GPU like like you wouldn't believe. And if you were to add SMT, uh, you know SMT on, on top of that, it would make it even more complex at the front end. Um, and so they really don't need it because their utilization is extremely high. Now, what SMT does is is it does multiple threads through a single core, and the uh, the front end decode can kind of interleave instructions from one thread or the other. And it'll more maximize the throughput of any any single CPU core. But because GPUs are, are I mean, they're relatively short as compared to steps. I mean, you, you've got the execution units. I mean, there's just thousands of them in there already. And they're being utilized at a very high level because you have workflows that are very, very generic as compared to like CPUs, which can be extremely varied. And so you don't really need SMT and GPUs. It would only add more confusion, more kind of chaos at the front end. And I don't think you would see throughput really rise to any significant amount uh, if you had implemented that. So, yeah, GPUs do not particularly need that because they're just, I mean, they're, they're, they're smaller, simpler execution units uh, as compared to just you know a, a large gigantic CPU, uh, so yeah, it's it's I mean, they may do some things in the front end that 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 kind of load up threads, but I mean, they've got like one hundred and twenty eight thousand threads in in flight at any one time in in a modern GPU. It's just a, a huge amount. So, yeah, I mean, uh, talking about, hey, I've got SMT. On my uh, GPU, it's 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 people just kind of scratch their head in the industry. It's like, yeah, that's that's a nice uh, that's a nice line that you're you're spreading around because it it just you know it's the, the workloads are they can be similar, but when you really look down at a granular level, I mean, it's very very different because it's a lot of small work going on that's processed very very quickly and put together and and done at an incredibly high rate. And yeah, SMT just It just kind of falls apart. So, I mean, they've never implemented it, and they probably never will. That I know of. Next. Unless somebody else has any other kind of uh,
2: thoughts
3: on the matter.
0: I
2: won't even pretend to.
3: (laughs) Just no? No. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Next question. Oh, nope, nope, nope. We're here.
1: All right. What's up? Nah. I'll get in the groove here. Ah, of course it wrapped. Uh, UTP-216, I want to know if PC Per got a Threadripper 2 kit from AMD, and if so, are they going to build an awesome workstation with it? Which is off the side of the screen there. Um, I'll just go ahead and answer that. Yes, we did. Um, we believe, did our article go up yet on the site no. about the unboxing? I don't think we did. Um, no, no no,
0: no bo- unboxing yet. Nah. Uh, that's Does the guys have you the nice little screen thing of PC per on there on the uh, on the chip? Uh, no, they didn't
1: have that nice little. Oh, boom. I know that was awesome. That was the awesomest things out of the whole kit. Um, <laughs> but yes, we did get the hardware in. in. Uh, we will be doing an awesome workstation with it, and once our embargo is left, we will have an article for it.
2: And did you? Oops, were had you allowed to even say that you got it in?
1: Well, yeah. Our yeah unboxing the unboxing the yep. unboxings already. Oh, okay. Yeah, everyone's already
4: unboxed, year. cut a hole in the
0: box, and been showing it yeah. off. Put 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 your heatsink in the box, mm. if it fits. Have
1: you have you seen that heatsink? Are are we to? It's like a sh- heatsink in a box.
5: What really is he? Yeah,
2: it's
4: two hundred and fifty
0: watts, right? The Wraith Ripper? Uh, yeah, it's two hundred and fifty watts what for the uh, workstation. Is,
4: is it? It's bigger it's than yes. mine?
0: So would Mori Mori gonna be proud of this thing. Look Holy that. hell, that's almost a small engine block.
1: It is. It's it is a small motor engine block. This thing is huge.
0: Like, well, you that 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 that'd be like a, a four horsepower lawnmower. Can fit in that size.
4: So is there like
2: you
5: one central yeah. fan? No, or no, you'll be
4: able that, to tell. You'll be able to tell.
2: <laughs> Here we
5: There's
2: go. a delta fan in each
1: end.
5: Disappeared. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, that is a huge, huge heatsink.
4: Alright, now my Noctua with 140 mo fans just doesn't seem so big anymore. <laughs> I think that's definitely Oops. bigger than a D14 from Noctua. All right, I can go get it and show it to you. Yes, it's definitely bigger. Because yeah. I did pick one up for my Threadripper one build.
2: As time has uh, passed, that Noctua fan has. It's kind of become sort of a medium size for a large yeah. air cooler. Well, it's still a bloody kilo
1: and a half. Better part of three pounds. That thing's got way more. Yeah. yeah, it's it's heavy. I mean, you're looking. Heavy. What? The, the Threadripper chip itself is like a third of a pound. And then. It's a lot of metal when that heat spreader. It and, is. Yeah. And that heat sink's probably three pounds, maybe our standard. Well, no, it's
0: minus case. my TR 14 is. So that's bigger. It's going to weigh more.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, just think of the thermal density overall of, of not just the heat sink, but also of, of that heat spreader as well. I mean, you could pack a lot of therms in that before, you know, things really start to rise. Mm. I mean, but you know, once they do start to rise, you got to remove it quickly, but yeah, yeah. that's, that's some serious density in there you yeah, know, like, I, think density.
4: We were, I think we were kind of a little bit amused when they started releasing reinforced PCIE slots It's like yeah okay now can you reinforce my CPU slot too
0: just just in case well we need 12 layers on this motherboard not because we need it electrically <laughs> but uh, yeah. we needed the extra you know structural integrity yeah. that uh, the extra layers of copper give us or a motherboard backplate. There's back a little uh, Kevlar mixed in with the glass.
5: Yeah.
2: Something there's, like that. Uh, you'd think you'd need stronger, like case standoffs and a thicker board for sure. Or else you're going to get some warping or bowing. I guess okay. it depends on how the uh, how it mounts. Because I know there's a
0: backplate behind the CPU on those. So
5: I think, okay. I think the
0: weight's going to be spread around pretty well. And plus, you know, you're not going to find a motherboard with less than nine screws okay. in there, and uh, you know that big old back on the back of of the thread rippers. So,
4: yeah, back in the days when you could say, ah, four screws, that's enough. Screw it, I don't need to do the rest of them.
0: <laughs> yeah. I do them all now. <laughs> yeah.
1: Can I get a? Can I get some more, please? Yeah. <laughs> all right, moving on to the next one. Yeah, I might. I. I know we have the board here, but it's got another cooler on it. I'm not sure how substantial the backplate is or what we can tell about that, but I think that'll be up in a week, give or take. Yep. I yeah. know. Stay tuned. All right. Next up, uh, Mirror. I don't know. How do you even pronounce this? Is it Mirror PPC? I don't know. Mirror PPC, yeah. Mirror PC. Yeah. Um, Why are cherry MY, this is not a typo, MY, switches no longer used or sold? Uh, There was a little bit of chatter about this in the chat, and apparently they're their membrane series. Anyone? It's because uh, they were produced with uh, asbestos.
0: Mm. Oh, let's go back (laughs) again, (laughs) though. When were they
2: even introduced? Wasn't that a, a relatively newer thing? Let's see. Spring over membrane keyboard switch series.
0: Oh, this is older. Okay. 2013. I, I bet it just. Would wear out. Hmm. I mean that the membranes, I mean, it's going to be some kind of polymer plastic and when you're rubbing up against a metal spring.
3: What do you think? Marketing. Marketing. Well, think about this. Like the, the mechanical
2: key switches are the popular gamer keyboard category, and now you have not only are there cheaper and cheaper options with actual Cherry switches, like you can buy a $79 keyboard with Cherry MX Reds or Browns or Blues, and then there are the third-party equivalents. I don't know where a membrane switch would really sit in the market, would Cherry want to be associated with like a membrane switch. I wonder if those are for the more like the business side, because Cherry does a does like industrial and business keyboards too, right?
3: That'd make more sense with a membrane. Right, because you're looking for lower volume. Yeah.
5: Huh.
1: Well, we don't have a really good uh, answer for that, so best get on to the next question. So the the peanut gallery gets a point on that one? Yes. Yeah. They Fashion? stump the idiots, Zero. which yep. isn't
0: hard to do. <laughs> no.
1: All right. What we got up next here? Uh, ooh. The Celeron ooh. question. Is it spicy? Is it saucy? It's a little bit saucy. <clears throat> All right. So John W. posits the question, is Celeron versus Adam? Autumn? Adam? Adam. 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 Be AD? Never mind. Uh, is that still a big deal? Looking to use a Zotex Z Box as a PS Sense router? Um, and he asks, continues. Multi line one. Look at this. Hmm.
2: No, I, I think can't Josh use a and mouse. I can co answer this one. Because I have reviewed a, a very similar Z Box. It was in this, it was like a CI 300 series, but I don't remember the model. Mine had a Haswell dual-core chip in it, though. A lot of the mini PCs and a lot of these uh, Celeron Atom thing it's just branding, really, because mm-hmm. there are some processors that are literally Atom that are Celeron, and then there are some that are like quad-core that now get like a Pentium branding when they're in really inexpensive, like two-in-one laptops, like the 250 hundred and fifty to $300 Dell Laptops have what I think is actually an Atom-based uh, solution. So, Josh, aren't is is Atom essentially in order,
0: or do they have? Did it ever move on to like out of order? You know, I think the very latest is uh, out of order, but again, don't quote me on that. I can't remember just because uh, Intel has been pushing away kind of the the Atom branding and and. But what we do know is that Atom still is is smaller than a Celeron, which is still based on the core architecture. And so even though they have improved, uh, you know, the, the Atom functionality because, you know, they've, they've gone to lower process uh, nodes and they can fit more in and still, you know, be really, really small and, uh, you know, really power efficient. But a lot of these uh, Atoms are, you know, especially for... Uh, pf sense boxes and synology has their their nas that they all run on these these eight core atoms and they run really really well on that just because you've got a a ton of threads people know how to do multi-threading and and a lot of uh you know storage work and uh routing stuff is is it's a lot more easily multi-threaded i mean you know when when uh used to run squid boxes back in the day Mm. um they would have a nice little jump when you had, you know, larger caches and and more threads that so you could throw at the problem. Because you know, somebody'd make a request and one CPU would take that, another CPU would do it, and it would, you know, fill up IOs and and, and do all kinds of stuff at the same time. That you know it was, it was nice to have the extra cores and the extra oomph. And so, you know, I wouldn't be afraid of having an atom. I mean, the the work that I, I work at my regular job, uh, we've got a a net net extend. I can't remember exactly the the group who does it, but it's PF Sense box and it's an eight-core Atom in there, and you know it it handles 200 people in the office without an issue. And so, uh, Celeron, any kind of Celeron thing, it's probably going to be bigger. It's going to be fewer cores, and even though your IPC in that would be you know improved over Atom, the workloads that you're going to be doing in those kind of areas is is not going to reflect that. And so you, you probably want more threads available rather than a faster core with far fewer cores. Does that make sense to you, Jeremy? Yeah, yeah it does.
4: And I did some quick digging while you were reading because I, I was thinking that it was Silvermont that was the first ones that were out of order. And strangely enough, I was actually right. Uh, <laughs> but that's going back to 2013. Right, Previous to 2013, when you picked up an Atom, you were picking up, I, like, a specifically designed ultra-low power and, frankly, like, ridiculously low-performance chip. After that, like, it became Silvermont, then they moved on to Cherry Trail and Bay Trail, where it's usually pretty much the same architecture as a lot of the, the main SKUs just, you know, brought down significantly in power consumption. But honestly, I mean, they're, like, they've got onboard GPU uh, and, you know, I uh, just grabbing one like the 70 or the 8750 uh bursts up to 2.5 gigahertz and four cores four threads i mean that's a decent chip and if all you're asking for is a pf sense box you're laughing it's more than enough for that so i wouldn't don't think of atoms like you used to like atoms used to be no just stay away from it unless you know you're trying to run a a cable box nowadays no if, if it fits and that's what you're looking for is something low power that you can fit in a tiny little space
0: makes perfect sense cool well i think that answers that and i'm glad i'm not muted for a change <laughs> alex
1: for one, for anybody else muted.
0: has any uh, answers to that sebastian any closing thoughts no i think you uh said more than i
1: could ever say and I have nothing else as well because you covered that extremely well. Oh, All right. Thank you. Stroke that ego. Stroke it harder, faster. All right. Anyway, no. next. Oh. No. Yeah, I would have let that imagery settle in for a moment. All right. So we have random user QK8J04. WTF is going on with Windows, specifically 10, but this is a long term thing. Uh, caching 8 to 12 gigs of RAM, I'm assuming this is on a 16-gig box, Using when use, using 8 maxes out RAM, causing shutter
3: or jitter in games. Hmm. Um... um. This is I, not...
5: We're I not talking not about page
4: file to usage here. Stop Ooh. running the virtual machine that's doing your coin mining while you're gaming. <laughs> uh.
0: <laughs> uh. <laughs> that you may
4: or may not know about.
0: Yeah, I... Uh, yeah. Unless I'm you're running there. Chrome at the same time and, and Edge and uh, a couple other things and, and Dogecoin. I don't know what what is uh, going on with that because, uh, you know, I run... I'm a sysadmin at at a place not as big as Jeremy's place, and uh, you know we run a lot of high performance machines that do a lot of serious number crunching. And oddly enough, they use like uh, some of these statisticians just just use their desktops and Windows 10. And I mean, they have these huge R packages mm-hmm. that take up you know 16 to 64 gigs of memory, and uh, I, I'm not seeing this kind of 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 caching. That you're speaking of so there might be something else running in the background that's uh that's hurting you that you don't know about because uh throughout unless, the unless this is my last year of updates <laughs> go ahead
4: if this is my father it's because you have 18 tabs open 12 of which are online games that you're playing and you're playing trying to play Stellaris at the same time so yes all your ram is being used up strangely
1: sign out of Elvenar or whatever it is <laughs>
4: Permanently.
1: Well I'm a Linux user, as I've mentioned many, many times on here all the time, um, and I will be the first one in line to throw Windows under the bus. But with Windows 10, when I've been forced to use it um, here and other places, it's been surprisingly good. Besides the you know forced advertisement thing, but modern operating systems cache aggressively. And if there's jitter or shutter, um, and that's combined with I.O., that's the key point, there's actually I.O. happening that's causing the shutter, then, yeah, I agree with everyone else. Something is sucking resources. Um, If there's no correlation to system load, then you're going down the the line of, you know, R&R drivers. Start pulling stuff out. See what's broken.
4: Uh, Grab Process Explorer and take a peek. Mm. It's a good thing to have anyways.
1: God, that's such a
4: great tool.
0: Yeah. Cool. We've solved the world's problems. Next.
1: Next. Now Uh we cause them? (laughs) Now we cause them. Oh, yeah. This one's a good one. This is from Mew. What was more impactful to computing in general? X86 64 or copy, 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 paste, paste, paste. Or copy, paste? No, definitely copy, paste. Copy, paste. That's really, really oh. important. Or multi core on a single chip or die. Who wants what it?
0: What has had a bigger impact on the sandwich industry? Peanut butter or jelly? That's that's uh, from my point of view, that's that's kind of what you're looking at. I mean, both had massive impacts on how we do our work. We suddenly got rid of all of these memory constraints because we got rid of all of these memory constraints. We could do more things, but to do more things, we needed more processor. and so add another processor to the mix. And suddenly, we're really cooking with gas. so it's it's not exactly a chicken or an egg thing, but um, you know, X86-64 came out before most dual-core stuff. I mean, certainly there was dual-core, quad-core before then, um, but that was, you know, primarily server machines. And it really wasn't until, you know, Intel came out with the P4D and uh, AMD with the Athlon 64X2 that we had consumers that could actually utilize that kind of uh, functionality. Yeah, before that, I mean, uh, you know, I had a couple of Athlon MP. Uh, processors that I ran in a tie-in dual socket and motherboard. Well before that were uh, the people with the, uh, what was that A-bit board? I think I've got one up in the corner, but it's kind of buried the BP-6? Something like
1: that. But It was was one of the first dual processor. um, Intel's first dual capable socket chip for a consumer was the P55C Pentium MMX. Yeah. Uh, um they had stuff before that
3: because that was uh,
1: pro though,
0: wasn't the, it? The four, the 4 430 HX chipset could support dual CPUs and that was their higher end and it was the I I, I don't know, I don't think it was the P55C. I could be wrong, but a 430 it- HX was was the was the chipset to have if you
3: were kind of a power user. In the windows world with intel because
0: that was the same time as the uh 430 tx and i can't remember the crappy version of uh, the 430 series i mean the tx was kind of crappy because it was kind of cut down from uh the 430 hx and there was something else. It was like a D. It wasn't the DX, but anyway, no. this is all that's, that's a little older. <laughs> this than is all that. twenty-five years ago. Sorry to send you down I the can't. rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah.
4: Well, I can think of a different way to look at it.
3: Oh, there it is. Night. Socket
4: one
0: gives you dual socket and five hundred uh, twelve gig meg of RAM, not gig. Night. Yeah, the four hundred and thirty FX was the crap.
3: Crap, crap,
0: crap. You didn't want it. You wanted the HX, or at least the newer TX, because
1: that supported SD RAM. (laughs) You don't have a cheat sheet, Josh? Just just hanging up on the wall? (laughs) I can barely
0: remember that. I'm 46 years old. My mind is not nearly as sharp as it used to be.
1: Yeah, the the only reason I know the P55 was dual-capable, because that was my first computer. Cool. Yeah, but anyway... Anyway, what do you guys think about the, the dual core versus X eighty six
0: sixty four? I was going to say we could look at it a different way. Remember
4: when AMD was touting the fact that they had real dual core? It, it wasn't just a pretend extra core. They were they took a longer to get it on on the market, but when they did, it was not multi threading. It was like one core per one thread, and they said this is the future. And then honestly, they bet the farm on it. It didn't work out as well as they would have liked. They were right. They were just maybe a little bit too far ahead of the time and decided to go a a more difficult way, which I respect. But at the same time, kind of they're still recovering from today. So in that way, like they did 64 bit much more successfully uh, than they did the multiple core Uh, when they first launched it back in the day. So you could sort of say, at least for AMD, the 64-bit jump was more impressive for them. It was more impactful for them. The uh, multi-core, you know, it's turned out that, yeah, they were right and everything is going multi-core now, but it didn't have a great impact on their market share, or at least not a positive one. So in that way, I'd almost say that the 64-bit just, it opened up more and without it, Why would you even have multiple cores? Why would you bother to continue doing dual sockets? You've hit this memory ceiling where it just doesn't make sense, and you've got to do some very bizarre things to try and get more uh, than your 4 gigs of RAM going. Well, 3.76. Right,
2: 4 gigs including video memory. Yes. (laughs) So yeah, I think 64-bit was a big deal because it allowed bigger frame buffers. And you could still have four or then eight, and now 16, 32 gigs of memory. And multi-core really is application-specific. The OS has to be able to utilize it properly, which has obviously happened as Windows has matured. Uh, games, starting a few years ago, really started taking advantage of, of four cores or more. It really is still very specific to which title and whether it's single-core uh kind of limited or whether it's really multi-core aware and how efficient the software is written. So you can optimize for multi-threaded CPUs, but 64-bit enabled vast improvements in system performance by enhancing, uh,
3: if nothing else, just the amount of system memory and VRAM you could have installed on a system. Yes yeah that pretty cool I agree with it. all those things. I mean, you know
0: it's 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 technology walking hand in hand <laughs> to the future. I mean, it's all it's a lot of good stuff. but I guess you know if if we were to weigh one against the other, the biggest thing was probably x eighty six sixty four because it it removed so many limitations from programmers, and we have these vast, interesting worlds because we can address huge amounts of memory that we could not have beforehand. So I think
3: that's 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 probably my positive. Ultimately
2: all we ever needed was one CPU core and then like endless RAM drive. You don't need (laughs) anything
0: else. No no hard drives, just you know, a terabyte of if I only had a ten gigahertz processor, this would all be mute. Mute, Moot (laughs) moot.
1: And and probably mute too, but anyway. Well, you can have your ten gigahertz processor, but it'd only be doing half an operation per clock cycle. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's just spinning and burning
0: rubber. We'll just call it double pumped. You know what I'm saying?
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next up, Biohazard. What do you think has gone wrong, wrong with Intel's ten nanometer process? What do you mean wrong? It's, there's nothing wrong. It's all going perfectly according to plan. Ignore
4: hey,
0: look, it's people. Baghdad Bob. <laughs> <laughs> AMD is, is impaling themselves and spreading their intestines across the battlefield, trying to get their seven nanometer to work. Yeah, no. Um, boy, that's, that's a question everybody's asking. I think um, to generalize it all, I would say it was just, and I've said this before, it's, it was a bridge too far. Um, the tolerances were too tight. They had to integrate new materials in that they had never used before. Um, they had to make everything try to come together, which in theory sounded good, but when you start talking about materials and tolerances and um, self-aligning quad patterning, uh, the issues that they had with that at the at the at the dimensions that they were working at, it was just too much, and so. Um, from what I understand, they brought in some of the guys working on seven nanometer, took them back. They've redone ten, and they've loosened some things up. I mean, they've changed things, and so there's somebody out there. I think it was Charlie said it's essentially it's it's a twelve nanometer process versus what was previously ten nanometer. But this is all marketing at this at this time because um, you know when you said hey I had a one micron process um that typically measured the the smallest feature on whether that's skate pitch or or whatever um that the process enabled and we've kind of gotten away from that and so now it's it's more marketing terms but yeah for the uh, the technology the development the tools that they had their 10 nanometer using self-aligning quad patterning just didn't work consistently I mean you'd get maybe a couple of good chips at, at, at the bin that you're looking at but the yields were horrific you had lots of non-functioning chips uh, not just those that didn't run at expected speeds at, at certain power uh, some just didn't run at all I mean it's just it's it's you know, it's mind-boggling to go into these uh, you know kind of deep dives and, and process technology because it just how any of it works is is beyond me it's it's pure magic so yeah um i think it was just a combination of issues that they were too aggressive on 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 the tolerances the dimensions that they were working at and they're aiming at again they threw in a couple of extra variables by using uh, cobalt i believe for the first two layers and then you know copper for the rest and that was for electro migration period of uh, reasons um but cobalt is like half of the conductivity of, of copper. It's just, it was, I think it was just too much too soon and they couldn't work out the kinks in a timely enough manner and on budget. And so until, uh, they were originally expecting some of the first 10 nanometer stuff to come out in 2015. And now we're in the second half of 2018 and, uh, they're looking at, Second half of 2019 to have this kind of revamped 10 nanometer process out. I mean, they they'll get it out. It's going to work. It's it's still going to be pretty good, and I think in many ways it's going to be very comparable to what we see from the you know current generation of TSMC, uh, what Glo- Global Foundries is going to release here in the second half of the year. Um, but I think that part of the problem
3: is just going to be we need to go to you. Um, EUV, or, you know, better
0: patterning, um, better litho, and that will solve quite a few problems because you have to have fewer passes on the litho side, and there are fewer chances of something really bad happening to a chip when you do that. So, maybe that will be one of the bigger fixes. I don't know. I think it's, you know, it's, it's complex. I mean, if it was easy, anybody could do it. Obviously, it's not easy. It costs billions of dollars. It takes thousands of really, really smart people, it's far smarter than I am, to get this stuff to run. To be able to look at your triple monitor setup with a 16-core CPU and graphics card that has insane amount of of throughput.
3: It's just it's just magical. Anybody else have anything? Mute. Yep. I don't know what kind of dance Intel is doing anymore. Some sort of freeform break dancing or something. Sure. Well, Josh, this actually kind of brings up the next
1: question. Then, oh, for Mister Ranger, what are the chances AMD can or will demonstrate a lead in process tech when Zen two launches? That wrapped. Uh pretty dang good. I mean, they've already they're
0: already sampling their first generation of of seven nanometer chips. Uh, AMD has their seven nanometer EPIC. Uh, they're going to have the seven nanometer Vega a little later on uh, this fall. And uh, yeah, it's uh, TSMC. Even though they call it seven nanometer, it's not really seven nanometer, but it is better than uh, Intel's fourteen nanometer by a significant degree. It's probably closer to the initial. Intel 10 nanometer, except they were not as aggressive in, in some things they did. And so, um, you know, possibly SRAMs a little bit bigger, uh, you know, gates are bigger and some of the other dimensions. And so your your density will not be as good as what Intel's theoretical 10 nanometer was, but it works. And that's something that they have over Intel. Not only that, but they get good yields out of it and it's pumping out chips I think already, um, so they're going to have probably a good nine months of epic seven nanometer sales, as well as Vega seven nanometer sales. Um, this is not to say that Nvidia is not also going to leverage uh, TSMC seven nanometer, uh, but uh, AMD actually has you know kind of a, a leg up, especially in in the CPU, and that's where. They're hoping to make some money. The desktop is going to be nice because we're not expecting any kind of huge performance increase, but we are going to experience a density increase as compared to the current Global Foundry, Samsung, uh, 14 nanometers, uh, much denser than TSMC's 16 nanometer, which is actually more akin to their 20 nanometer process with FinFETs. So, yeah, AMD is going to have a density advantage. Over Intel, and they may not have a clock and power advantage, but density counts for a lot. And uh, even the desktop in the second half of, of 2019, they're they're going to, you know, they're going to have a competitive part that's seven nanometer. It's going to run fast. It's it's going to. They're going to have density that Intel can't match, and they're going to probably have pretty good margins for AMD because, you know, AMD is running at like 37% margins right now in their products and Intel's up at 61. And so if AMD sees a five to 10% increase in, in margins, uh, then they're sitting really pretty because their company is fabulous. They, they run lean anyway. I mean, through many, many years of hardships, uh, they've had to cut the fat from the company. And that's something that Intel hasn't had to do yet because they, they're hitting 61 to 64% margins at, at you know kind of the top of the game. But uh, as things get heated next year, if Intel feels that they are losing market share, they're going to lower prices and their margins are going to take a hit just because they can't match the same kind of density that AMD does uh, for these products. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see. AMD has a chance to make some bank. They have some chance to actually claw back some uh, market share in the server market, which which Intel has a virtual stranglehold on. And so uh, it's going to be nice to see from you know competitive side. Uh, we're going to see prices lower across the board. We're going to see uh, more compute power that can be thrown at issues, and so you know people can do more fun and interesting things on their phones because edge computing still isn't quite where we want it to be. And so everything's done in big servers and data centers and, you know, Facebook people are going to be happy. Amazon's going to be happy and AMD's going to, they're they're going to gain some market share because they simply will have a more dense solution that exists in the same kind of power envelope as what Intel has.
1: Sounds good to me. Okay. Jeremy? Do you yep. Got anything? Not really on that one. It's it's
4: going it to be interesting to see what Glofo comes out with. Yeah. This is definitely or,
1: definitely interesting times. Sebastian, I presume you have nothing to add. What do you mean you presume? I presume? And no, I don't. That's why I'm I clarifying. Don't. I presume but I'm asking. Clarity is good to have. Clarity is good to have. Sadly, I only I'm
3: have good it in that hindsight. I'm, Lacking. Find,
1: yes.
0: Find your G. G. My center. My QI, my recharging path. Yes. Your T yes, wireless. I will find charging. it. I will put something
1: on there. <laughs> Josh, I'm going to give you a little bit of a break here. Thank you. Jeremy, can you do IT support in underwear while at home? I have in the past. <laughs> I. I Ten and tend
4: to in the future, so yeah. All right. It's just they they prefer I come into the office and sadly demand that I dress.
5: That's what's the fun? It, of it's have stupid hot right
0: now. You're lucky I'm wearing a
4: though. shirt right now.
2: <laughs> Jeremy, have you ever really put this to the test? Are you just making an assumption that they wouldn't be okay with it, or are you just just on
4: your own? What is the word
1: there was an HR department
4: and they they send out memos including acceptable summer wear and understood
1: can can you get a religious waiver
4: I'm working on it as soon as you guys start becoming a a recognized religion instead of just camping out in a church (laughs) once once we can become a religion then I can start working on that (laughs) sorry I only wear printed circuit boards they chafe, but once you get used to it. And when you take them off at night, oh,
1: it feels so oh. good. Oh. You guys are terrible. Terrible. All right. Next up, someone who is not Josh. Because it's not Josh. What are y'all's famous favorite burgers, beer, whiskey? Choose one. Or cheese three. It don't matter.
3: Does it have to be a burr, uh, but can it like be like
4: a barbecue sandwich? Sure. You know, like pulled pork or you know, a brisket on a, a sandwich. Because Memphis Blues does a hell of a one. It is beautiful and wonderful. I'm sure it's horrible for you, and I don't care because I will die happy with one in my mouth.
1: I don't think there are anything huh. there's nothing on that list that's good for you.
4: Good. And well, it's got to be Fat Tug. I know that Josh doesn't like IPAs and I'm fine with that because I'm going to drink them all. But it's a a small brewery up here that you're not going to see just about anywhere else. It's just barely started to penetrate to uh, the province next over. It's never gone down south because it's just small, uh, small batches. So there's a couple of pubs that have it. You can get it in big bottles and that's just about it. Uh, but uh, yeah, it is just lovely and whatever whiskey is in front of me is usually my favorite because <laughs> I'm not going to complain.
0: <laughs> Sebastian?
2: I'm not knowledgeable enough about, and I have a lot of like small breweries around me. Kalamazoo in Michigan has, I don't know, there's like 10 all within easy walking distance downtown, but I'm boring with With beer, I just get like uh, stout, whatever stout is on tap. I usually get Guinness if I'm buying beer at the supermarket. Uh, I don't eat red meat, so I have no comment about burgers. I'm out of the game. It's been about ten years since I've had a burger, and uh, I don't drink liquor. So there you go.
0: There you have it. Wow, that's 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 the most boring answer possible. Save us all from his his clean living. Someone's going to do
1: it, and he was chosen. It was yeah. So burger wise, I mean. I have to go with Jeremy on this one. I'm a sucker for a brisket. I'm like, there are so many good burger joints around here, and I'm always down for a burger. Um, I don't really have a favorite in that regard. Um, beer, honestly, I'm not a snob on beer. Uh, if I'm traveling, it's usually something like a fat tire or some other just. Mm-hmm you know, commercialized mass produced beer because I'm not drinking it for the taste, I'm drinking it to ignore that I'm in an airport for 12 hours. Um whiskey, Knob Creek, hands down, done. What 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 kind of whiskey? Knob Creek. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I guess that uh,
0: it's up to me now yeah. because um uh I've been spoiled. I've been obviously taking pictures on the internet and well no i've been taking pictures in real life and posting on the internet uh we got a local place called born in the barn uh they've got locally sourced beef that's never been frozen and uh it's when it's left out at night in the know, winter I mean, they put it in a regular
4: refrigerator <laughs> they
0: don't freeze it though i meant the cow to. itself Oh, no, the cow's not in the refrigerator. But anyway, uh, so anyway, they, they get it from, you know, a local uh, butcher shop delivered every day, not frozen. And uh, it's it's really good stuff. And my favorite is, is their Hay Fire. And that's comprised of a half pound beef patty with pepper relish, chipotle mayo, jalapenos, and uh, pepper jack cheese and it just it warms the cockles of my heart it's it's a fantastic thing you if you ever come through laramie you need to go there and, and try it it's off the menu but if you order a hay fire, they will happily make one for you and it's and it's 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 fantastic especially if you like any kind of heat uh beer uh probably my favorite of all time is McEwen scotch ale you can rarely get it uh around here But when I do, I I really, truly enjoy it. Now, it isn't as good as it used to be because the original McEwen's went out of business. It was bought Mm -hmm. up by some kind of French firm, and they Mm -hmm. restarted the line. And it's just, it's still good, but it's not as good as it used to be. Uh, A number two would be Old Speckled Hen. That's probably one of my other go-to favorites. I mean, other than like Bellhaven Scotch Ale, but Old Speckled Hen's probably right up there. And in terms of whiskey...
3: There was a Balvini 15 year old that was single barrel. It's
0: fantastic. Otherwise, mm-hmm. Tomatin 18 year old is really good. And uh, for the price, it's pretty fantastic. But I, I, I did try a Brucolati 25 year old, and that was a $500 bottle of scotch. And it was fantastic. Yep. But I'm not buying a $500 <laughs> bottle of scotch.
4: That Someone seems was to be the problem, kind man.
0: enough. They gave me a dram of that to just try because they wanted to try it out. And it was fantastic. It was so much going on. It was so good. But I am not paying $500 for a bottle of scotch that I'll drink in a week.
1: That reminds me of one of my most enjoyable whiskey experiences. It was on a cruise boat and the bar was cleaning up after a very long night and they had a bottle. Uh, I think it was Walker 21. Um, it wasn't their super special bottle stuff, but yeah,
4: they drank it didn't it. have a color associated with it. Just a year. Just a year. Yeah. But you was, see that very
1: early. It was so good. I think I thought I'd that thing for three hours. It was wonderful. Yeah. Bring the turn to my eye.
4: <laughs> and if I was going to be totally honest, it, it anything out of Port Charlotte is the best friggin' Scotch on the planet.
1: Uh, but Bruglotti. you gotta
4: like, yeah,
0: Ruglady yeah, Port don't, Charlotte.
3: Yeah,
4: yeah. It, it's a, it's an old distillery that burnt down ages ago. I think back in the twenties, and
0: uh, Jim McEwen. That was this. Room out, yeah, no, no, four. no, no, no. It, was, it didn't burn down. Well, it may have burned down at one time, it, but it closed but in the 90s went, and they had yeah. warehouses full of spirit, and yep. it was reopened up in like 2005. And yeah, Jim Jim McEwen, uh, was the uh distiller who brought it back. And I mean, he he was one of the guys who kind of revolutionized uh, young aged spirits. Okay. I mean, well, it, it was the PC4, well, it was the first one that came out. Yeah, and so the they're, the they're, they're the classic laddie is like maybe six years old, maybe. Yeah. But they do all kinds of interesting things with their casks and that, and they they've got a good product. And so yeah, yeah. Port Charlotte is 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 another one. Uh, the one I kind of like from that is what is it? Um, the 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 Islay barley barley. the yeah, Islay barley. barley. That's a that's a good. It's got a good amount of little peat and smoke, but not overwhelmingly so. But you still get yep. kind of the fruits and the vanilla and all that, and so it's a really nice combination. Sorry, 100%. I am interrupting you because Scott's no, a little with bit of a passion.
4: <laughs> it, it it has a, a it, honestly, it tastes like a fresh summer's day, along with the peat, the the their their barley edition. It, it's it's beautiful. Uh, so it, it just yeah, like it's worth. Checking out. As Josh said, and as I totally agree, don't run out and buy a $500 bottle. Chances are you're actually going to be disappointed and don't spend 500 bucks in a buddy bottle unless there's 10 of you and you're splitting it. In which case, I'll go mad. But the amount of stuff that you can get, uh, and of course my prices are a little bit more up in Canada, but between 60 to $120, the world is your friggin' oyster. Grab something. Try it.
1: Give it a shot. There's so many good options now. And and if you're going
0: cheap and if you're willing to go blended, uh, John Barr is a fantastic mm-hmm. bottle for 24 bucks. And that has a lot of characteristics you're kind of looking for in, in a good sky. I mean, it's it's got a little bit of the peat, it's got a little bit of smoke to it. Uh it it's offsets the the sweetness and kind of the honeys and, and fruits that that you find in there, and so uh, John Barr is is a fantastic bargain at 24 bucks for a bottle. And I've got some on the shelf, and I I love it. I go through one of those every two weeks or so. It's just a good kind of daily drinker. So there you have it.
4: Or hell, a-, a Ballantines. There's a reason they win awards every single year. Uh, there's a reason why Jim Murray carries it around as his my, his base-level scotch to try before he tastes something new. And again, it's it's not that expensive. Just drink. I think that's what we're saying. <laughs> drink Scotch. Dr- drink and yeah. be merry.
2: So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot to know about Scotch. Is what it sounds like to me. Yeah. Single barrel versus single
4: malt. I, they can both be uh, the same, but a dram. single barrel literally there's came out of a single barrel terminology. The fun thing is it could be a bad barrel. There could have been some sulfites that got in there and it just tastes like baby vomit. And, well, you're kind of screwed because you bought the single barrel. (laughs) On the other hand, if it's brilliant, you can know that you're going to be the only person on the bloody planet who's tasted it or anyone who got that single barrel because it tastes different. When you're buying a 12-year-old scotch, it's actually coming from dozens, uh, scores of different barrels. The, old, the youngest Scotch in it is twelve. There might be a forty-year-old in there, but when they say an age on the statement, that is the youngest whiskey that went into that. All from the same distillery, if it's a single malt. Uh, if it's a blend, it could come from anywhere. But if there's an age statement on it, all that is is just the youngest one in there. There could be older in there because they're trying to make it taste the way they want it to taste. Consistent. And not every yeah.
0: barrel is the same. Yeah, consistency ain't easy. It's the same thing about like you know what they do with coffee. I mean they, they yeah. do coffee blends. That's why they do it. They they try to blend all these different beans instead of, hey, I bought this one and it tastes like acid and this other one that I bought a couple of weeks later from a different batch, it tastes really nutty and keen and nice. It's it's the same thing. I mean they're they're working on consistency of flavor by you know, having these these mix masters
3: who have really master well blenders to find <laughs> Yeah. Mixmaster. <laughs> Are we
1: ready for the next question? I'm, I'm still letting all this deep information sink in.
4: I'm getting thirsty in. and thinking about going and grabbing an art <laughs> bag, to be honest.
1: <laughs> oh, back, back, to, back to some serious questions here. Uh, AW Pandering? pander. Hey. What currently... What is currently the most you guys would justify spending on a case?
3: Eighty nine ninety nine. Like
1: Sebastian question.
2: I'm I'm close to Jeremy on this one. I feel like there's so much good stuff where once you hit about a hundred dollars. Okay. I would there's two categories basically for cases. There's cases that are made with conventional Rolled steel and plastic. And now there's like tempered glass on a lot of those for not much more money. And those have very, very diminishing returns past like $90 to $100, where I would not go past that point. And then there's the, you know, limited production cases like the N Case M1 or the Dan Cases A f x four I can't remember the actual name of it right now. It's just the really, really small limited production stuff that uh, they have Lian Lee contracted to do so if, if you want like all aluminum, then I personally would have a very hard time going over two hundred dollars myself, but for a standard case, you can get a lot of case for like seventy dollars these days so i hundred dollars is like my mental limit where. Even when I review a case, it's like, you know, this is it's $99. There's a lot out there for this price or a little bit less. So it makes those, it's very congested. Premium cases come out and the way they can justify the price is how many fans does it come with? Uh, so I would go, I would go to like $120 if it was like fully appointed with like fans that would cost me 10 or $20 each. So that's the value. So it's like, okay, $60 for the case, and then I'm getting four $20 fans. But for steel and plastic, it's it's hard to go over like $90 these days because there's a glut of cases in that $79 to $99 range. That's my limit. Unless you want like yep. an Inwin that's motorized <laughs> and it has gorgeous uh, tig welding and, and incredible framework and it looks like it it's part of like a high-end automobile or something but no
0: you know back in the day i, I bought a Lee. Li, i mean this is in the late 90s early 2000s and and i you know i was, it was like 200 bucks at the time which was a significant chunk of change as compared to you know 2000 from to 2018 And, uh, you know, when I filled it all up and I carried it around, I was like, this is so light as compared to the Antec cases that I've been using. (laughs) They were all stainless steel and that. This is fantastic. And then I used it for a while and and some of the standoffs would break because they're kind of brittle. And and it just, I still got it downstairs. I'm not getting rid of it because it's worth its weight in gold and it's incredibly light and it, it looks nice. But I've never gone back to that kind of thought again. I, I think I've got um, the one I've got now is 130 bucks, just because it's pretty big. It was a Corsair and it's very modular, and it's the 800D, the Obsidian 800D, I think. Um, yeah, I think that you know when when I make stuff from for like work, uh, for a basic PC model, I get like a 50 dollar Corsair case. Because it's it's functional. It's got enough space. It's got enough cooling. It's got all the external stuff we need, and it's only fifty bucks. And um, you buy, a, you know, we have a, a you know super duper kind of uh, stats machine, and I buy a hundred dollar Rosewell rack mount case, and it it works. So yeah, I mean, uh, you know, j- just the the really tight fisted money person that I am, I, I just couldn't see going past 130 bucks anymore.
4: And I mean, I, the one I just picked up, uh, like literally picked up from the post office today. I mean, sorry, Sebastian, you're going to hate it. Cause it's, it's butt ugly, but the Rose will rise. It's insane. Up to 740 millimeter fans. It'll fit in the ATX because I wasn't sure if I was going to go EATX uh, motherboard or not. And, you know, nice PSU at the bottom. It's got an optical drive bay. And it's got a op- second optical drive bay with a punch out for three and a half just in case you want to keep your three and a half alive. So it's got everything. Everything I want.
3: You lost me at punch out. It's there. 2018, Jeremy. So there are metal punch outs on that case.
4: Uh, I bet you they're plastic. It's SEC steel, but I bet you that those things are plastic.
2: My uh, first PC related injury
4: was was
2: thanks to one of those older case styles with the punch outs. I sliced open my, I think it was my left forefinger. I was reaching in and I was getting a punch out and I, my hand slipped and sliced open right on the edge of the steel. Back when, you know, rolled steel edges were actually considered a feature.
5: Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, they, the I mean, they were safer cases. than
4: the wide open ones. Those were razor blades. Yeah. That's the biggest thing to me. Like, you, like Josh was
2: Uneven saying. Uneven like razor blade. blades. $50 cases now are fine, and they're actually reasonably safe to work inside used to buy a $50 case and you could flex the whole thing and it was like razor
1: blade metal and everything was really sharp. So thin and <laughs> ragged. Oh, well, and, and those cases back then, I mean, it was like that weird eggshell off white yep. and and nothing Beige. really fit right. Oh, those were not the good old days. Oh,
0: Antec with their black cases that they came out with. were One of the first to have done that. It was fantastic! It was, it was a renaissance, and it all went downhill.
1: <laughs> yep. Anyhow, well, wasn't the you had the Antec that was the black case they came out with in late '90s, and didn't they keep that same design for like five or six years before they came up with the the Antec two? That well, had the it was SpaceTime
0: Chief Tech
1: model. Yeah,
4: way back in the day. Yeah.
1: And mm. so it was it was a Chief Tech uh,
0: case and Antech either licensed from it or just plain stole. But yeah, then they uh, you know they had, you know, a paint job to it. It was black, kinda grayish black and mm. plastic rather than the beige and it was kind of a big deal. I mean they weren't the first to do that, but They were kind of one of the first mainstreams to to do that. And they offered, you know, the windows in the cases they are crappily done. But it's windows you can buy for 80 bucks in Mm -hmm. a case that weighed 50
1: freaking pounds. (laughs) (laughs) So so has anyone done the uh, had to do a PC build at home, you know, for reasons, whatever? Um, In my case, it was to set up a uh, Counter-Strike server for a LAN party. Uh, didn't have any cases. Had milk crates, though.
3: Oh, no. Yep.
5: As long the as they weren't conductive,
3: the you're good to go.
2: Yep. Zip ties and milk crates. I was going to say, as long as you also have zip ties, you're okay. Yeah. yeah. As long as you can zip tie the expansion uh, card to the edge of
0: the milk crate, you don't need a case.
1: Oh, no, you just really? let hang off the side. That It was just to hold the motherboard to the case. And, uh, oh, you know,
0: Vedman okay. makes a, a good... Point here, and it's something to remind me, but do you remember the Antec Sonata Black, you know, piano black cases mm-hmm. that had that yes, piano black finish yep. and Didn't super they have, like, quiet? The front they are terrible the front to work panel, with. The high day, they, were, optical drives. they were pretty.
4: What? God, they were so pretty. And if you ever wanted someone's fingerprints,
3: yeah, let <laughs> them play with it for a second. Show it. So,
0: you're moving along. Because we're at Hour and 10 minutes. Let's do yeah. this for a
1: couple more questions. All right. Next one up. I'm not sure if this is Durand Pop or Jar and Pop. I don't know. It's got to be Jar and Pop. Jar and Pop. Well, then it should be camel-cased properly. Do you think there is any benefit in NVLink making its way to the, I presume, consumer GeForce line? I'm also presuming this is mm. in relationship to the rumors of the new NVIDIA GeForce
0: having. Uh, you know, it, it seems like SLI is, is in the consumer space is is not as popular as it was. I mean, it still exists, but it's not as popular. And so I don't think NVLink is going to make it in the consumer cards anytime soon, just because I think the, the market is primarily focused on single cards. Um, the high-speed uh, uh, SLI, seems to work okay,, uh, but you know, with fewer games out there supporting it, and with faster products that can handle higher resolutions and multiple monitors, you know I think it's it's just kind of getting put on the back burner. But NVLink, link, when you're talking about high density computing, high performance computing, yeah, that's that's certainly needed there just because it's 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 the workload. And so, You know, consumer cards, I think they're kind of getting the shaft there. I mean, we could probably do some really interesting things, but it's not as cost-effective. And I think the bigger question is software support on the driver's side. It just is not as robust. I mean, I could be proved wrong. NVIDIA could say, you know what, we're really going to work on SLI, and it's going to be seamless. It's going to just work out of the box with everything, and we need this high-speed you know, connection in between the GPUs, and you know, you buy one, you're happy. You buy two, you're going to be ecstatic because we've taken the work away from all the developers, and it just works out of the box. I guess if they went that way, then then NVLink is, is certainly needed because bandwidth solves a lot of problems, and latency solves a lot of problems, especially if something is complex as a gpu and the workloads that they're given so
4: do you well, guys agree, disagree with that well i'm just seeing if i can quickly see it on uh, the steam hardware and software survey here and it's not quickly coming up but i recall like at its peak multiple gpu hit like two point something percent of the market like it, it's a, such a minuscule amount of people that bothered to do it that it's even hard to justify, you know, looking at my game and saying, "Well, you know, they have two GPUs and they're only seeing a 50% in performance increase," but it's three guys. Screw them, <laughs> right? Like it, it's just such a small market share. I can't see Nvidia putting a lot of effort into doing it unless it's essentially free. And it turns out, hey, it's actually a little bit cheaper to throw NV- NVLink on than it would be SLI, uh, or to just let the motherboard deal with it. Which you know, in the the HPC kind of thing, is how it's being done. It's not a bridge. It's being done via the chipset and
1: yeah. compatibility. That that, so, that begs my question. I've been thinking about here, Jeremy. Does does NVLink even support GPU to GPU links, or is that strictly an HBA to the power architecture? I, no,
0: it's it's, know? it's it's GPU to GPU. So so it is. It's a, essentially PCI Express that yeah. has. And it, NVIDIA, you know,
1: flavor to it, right? So, so it is it's a very data. generic, adaptable interface. Is what I'm asking.
0: In theory, sure. Good idea. Hmm. I mean, it's still power over it. I think NVLink is just all, all data and the right. power associated with moving that data. But yeah, no, it's um, you know, it's it's just essentially PCI Express lanes that are not officially pci express from what i understand
2: (laughs) i think the real question is is lucid logics coming back that's all we really need for multi-gpu oh the logics is is a
0: fabulous semiconductor Nah, ryan's not here to finish that statement nor is ken
4: (laughs) (laughs) i went to one of their presentations at CES too yeah it was
3: as entertaining as i hoped it would be and a nice logo You dragon. Okay, a couple more questions. All right, a couple more. Let's see here.
1: Oh, I think this was an interesting one. You think? I think. You're probably just going to be like, no. It's probably interesting. Just wave it off. Next. Next Next. Next question. Next. All right. Of course, it wrapped again. So annoying. Why are password cracking benchmarks? This is from Ericon again. Uh, why are password cracking benchmarks not used as part of as part of testing for CPU and more importantly GPUs? So that we don't
4: scare the absolute shit out of everyone. <laughs> I, five or six years ago, where the, they were looking at the new NVIDIA architecture, and it's like, here, post your SAM file up to the internet. And give us five minutes, and we'll crack every password in there. And nine times out of ten, it did it.
1: Mm. It's only gotten worse. Well, I think I think this is a good thing, though. I mean, we've seen the advent of modern hashing. Um, you know, iterative hashing, uh, bcrypt. Mm. Um, what's the other big one they use. An S hash. Is that it? I don't know. I think there's an analog here that's already there. Crypto mining. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's hashing. Password hashing. Mining hashing. Yeah, but passwords per second might make you more money. That would be an interesting article. What is more effective, hashing passwords or hashing blockchain? Hmm. Which one is more illegal? <laughs>
4: And why is there a truck that says "flowers by Irene" outside now? Yeah, or <laughs>
0: snacks. Everyone loves snacks. snacks.
1: snacks. <laughs> Beautiful.
0: Yeah. Um, no, I th- I think part of it is, uh, you know, how how reproducible are the results? And um, you know, it's just it, there's not been a whole lot of work with the benchmarking community with with this kind of ashing out. And you know, I think you're right. And there, there's some fear there, and there's some, hey, we we don't really want to support this, so we're not going to talk about it. But hey, here's here's you know another benchmark that's kind of like it, but you know, it's it's supported around the industry, and and it gives out consistent numbers. Uh, with with
3: password hashing, you know, it's it's yeah, it's 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 kind of briar patch you don't want to jump into
1: I think that's a acceptable answer you can go into more detail on some side effects of it but yeah this is is purely don't incite panic
2: (laughs) I'm sure the NSA has all of these stats
4: I hate to support security through obscurity but I guess we kind of are
1: it, it's caused things to get better in recent years. At least on Linux. I don't know about Windows. Yeah,
2: it's harder to crack a Windows. It's not 10 the operating password,
4: system that. that's it's a problem. It's me. the users.
1: <laughs> you don't need rainbow tables when the password is Hunter five. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <yeah.
0: laughs>
1: is <right>. that
4: Sebastian?
0: <laughs> yeah, I can. Uh, I could see another uh, website. It's like, um, you know, hey Ryan, uh, could you? Share that that big password file that you use to, to to test your GPUs with us, so we can get you know <clears throat> can can you know results from that. And where was that password file from?
5: <clears> oh <throat> <laughs> so yeah, by the way, we, we
0: grabbed card. it from AOL as they were shutting down one of their old servers and. <laughs>
3: Oh, yeah, good times. Does anyone remember
1: AOL Server? Or is that just a weird niche of the backwater of the internet?
3: Well, yes. To both.
1: To both? Okay.
0: I've never heard of yeah. it.
3: But anyway, I mean, anyway. the long,
0: long and short of that is that I have never dug into it enough to give you a better answer than what I just did. There are others who are far, have far more expertise with this uh but like you know i just did, question yeah i i it's something that i've never dug into but it's something that perhaps with more education would be less scary but you know what i think about education
1: <laughs> i think that a lot of things in life are a lot less scary with more education
0: a mind is a terrible
2: thing to waste josh it's gone already.
1: There's more to life
2: than baskets of burgers
0: <laughs> mm.
2: oh, and fries. Well, I guess there are not
0: much though. No, it's it's the only thing I look forward to through the entire week. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, next question.
1: <laughs> next question. Why doesn't NVIDIA and AMD offer virtualization support on their consumer <laughs> GPUs? This oh, you've asked been,
0: by Jer- Jeremy. Could probably
1: was- answer this one
0: the hell are you gonna do with it? Seriously, what, what <laughs> are
4: you going to do with it? The, the VPro Intel series has been out for years, and people buy it because well, it's got VPro on it. Like, do you know what that means? Do do, do you have any intention of, of going out and getting VMware and starting to to play with multiple GPUs? What? no oh, it just says VPro. It's good. Like seriously, but the. Are you going to do some sort of weird Apple boot camp? Are you doing uh, emulation for old ROMs? Yeah, okay, fine, but you're better off doing it on a CPU because it's going to look at a modern GPU architecture and be like, I don't know what to do with this. Give me the emulation of like a 16-bit thing. I'll be happy now.
0: Well, I think you know a, a bigger thing is uh, you know v- the virtualization. I think this guy's getting at is you can run several workloads and graphics workloads on one card, and you can have multiple outputs. So, like um, what that game streaming service that Ryan tested out all those years ago, uh, it used virtualized GPUs. That you know somebody had a 1080p window and a real simple game, uh, you could run multiple loads on a a you know high-powered GPU, and that, and it could stream it out to you. But I think that the biggest part is, is it's, it's, it's this, it's, it's money. Yes. It's yes. a feature. And uh, it's Why a feature they're trying to sell. a professional
2: level feature on a consumer card where you can charge more money for this? Feature. Exactly. Because it's, it's a feature that professionals might want. So you already have a much more expensive product that is mainly differentiated by driver support, and not necessarily at the hardware level.
5: Yeah, so well, it's, it's kind of the reverse
0: sort of, of the cow milk thing. You know, why give your yeah. milk away for free when you can sell the consumer a cow on
3: no, least an, an annual consumer consumer basis.
1: A cow. yeah. yeah, Cows as a service?
5: Yes. Cows. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Anyhow, anything else on that one? Yeah, I think it's primarily
0: money. Why they don't offer virtualization on consumer chips? I mean, why? Why would you do that? It's it's a cash cow for those who will actually leverage that. Versus Joe Schmo who plays Rocket League on his machine and has no need for virtualization, which is included with their GPU for free. It's just not going to happen segmentation makes the margins go round
1: money money is always an acceptable answer all right we're we're i think we better wrap this I'm one more up we've
2: talked out we've talked out yep enough for one josh more has done a lot of talking we have to give josh a
0: break yeah i mean somebody if, if if you have a question that someone else can answer i would happily
1: shut my mouth happily well i had one uh, You'd probably jump on, but we can hold that for later. Where is it? Later. Later. All right. I think uh, UTP had another question earlier, but we'll go with this one. Specifically addressed to Jeremy, are you getting a more inexpensive TR1, Threadripper 1, or going full-on Threadripper 2?
4: I went threadripper one with a, a 1900x it was on sale at a beautiful price and still is because i threadripper has got to be one of the most interesting things that's come out in a long time for me it, it's no longer a matter of uh you know this is a purely workstation machine is it a purely enthusiast machine no it's it's friggin whatever the hell you want it to be well i do i buy the one with 20 pci i, I 20 PCIe lanes get out of the way no I want all of the damn PCIe lanes so we don't have to think about anything because going down the years I mean you're gonna have three NVMe drives using PCIe 4x like it's going to happen you're gonna have at least one GPU yeah okay well you didn't buy a card or a motherboard that had Thunderbolt built into it so you pick up an add-in card for that you'll start looking at getting a second like PCIe lanes are going to be a thing for quite a while, and it makes sense to get them. And so when Threadripper 2 came out, it's like, yeah, it's going to be north of a grand, even for the less expensive ones. Which is, you know, it, it's like the $500 bottle of scotch. It's hard to justify for how my life is now. Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's too much money on something that I'm only going to be using a very small part of. And I'm really excited it came out because all the Threadripper 1 parts are now about 50% off and honestly have stayed that way. So if you're thinking about upgrading, you know, if you want to be really nifty, hold it for the next X399 boards. Uh, There's a slew of them coming out. Uh, There's a release just today that I haven't had a chance to put up yet that was, if I look, uh, a new Gigabyte Aorus uh, Extreme coming out um, with, you know, some bloody impressive features on it and so you know say get that because honestly you might pay more for the motherboard than you did for the processor i know i did
0: well i think that uh, they came out with the uh, the uh, 1920 today for 250 bucks yeah. that's a 12 thread 20 uh, no, 12 core 24 thread four thread yeah that's nuts that's that's so cheap they want that's, to get rid of this stock obviously, but that's so
3: cheap. It's 10 bucks a core? Is it, that right? It, it's silly stupid, and it will last you. They're but They're not slouches. No. I mean there is a good argument to
4: say no, it is more of a workstation PC and if you ain't doing anything on it, you're kind of wasting your 250 bucks. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> What do you want? <laughs> and besides, I'm running Boink. So, you know, I'm doing SETI at home, LHC at home, Einstein at home. So, yeah, this Red Ripper is going to do a lot of work. It's, it's It may be a little sad a couple of years from now, but yeah, it's going to do work and
3: it, it's going to be worth it. I, I was kind of hoping for a, you know, why not both?
0: <laughs> Why not yeah well, so we have i don't think we've seen that 250 dollars price yet but i think it was announced that they were going to be dropping it so we'll see anyhow is, is that is that all the questions we're at an hour and a half now can people handle this amount of talking from us collectively
1: i think not only can they handle it they'll enjoy it Well, we certainly hope so. Well, you know, thank you for enjoying,
0: uh, well, thank you for joining us with this uh, little Q&A. It was kind of off the cuff this morning because we only found out today that most of the people on the regular podcast were not going to be showing up. So we dragged up, uh, you know, Sebastian,
3: and uh, I think, uh, what's his name? Not Mary, Jeremy. Maury. (laughs) Maury.
0: So he could not join us. It was one letter off, uh, but it was nice that uh, Alex was able to come in and record all this. We didn't see Jim in the background; always sad. we will
5: we'll <laughs> claim he still It was, alive, it was a I nice, cozy
0: little time with the four of us. And we had a nice yeah. discussion. There was a lot of really good questions from uh, viewers, and hopefully, we're going to do this again a little bit sooner. I think it's been a couple of years since. We last had an open Q and A session, so this has been uh, this has been nice. Anyway, join us again next week for the podcast. I think most everyone will be back, and uh, thanks for joining us for this this session. And have a good night.